Hey, thank you for joining me today on Hope for Heroes Texas. This is Brad Cornell, where we serve those who serve us as they carry the weight of the badge. It's gonna be a long one, another graveyard shift. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Hope for Heroes, the Weight of the Badge podcast. Man, am I fired up today? I've got an incredible guest on today, and you are going to love him. You know, with the uh, this podcast is all about the weight of the badge, and a lot of times it's not just the police officers and the uh, fire and EMS and all the guys that carry the weight of the badge. It's people that make decisions, people that are in big different uh, positions sometimes that they've got to carry the weight of that badge also because, you know, they get shot at for no reasons as far as people coming down on them and then the, the trolls. It's a that's out there on the internet, but they still got to make the tough decisions. And we are honored and blessed today to have Tim Hadron on this program, which is a mayor of Bernie, Texas. Now, he was born in Amarillo, Texas, at the Air Force Base up there. He grew up in Lubbock, Texas. You probably didn't even know that. I want you guys to get some information because a lot of times we don't even know how, what our leaders, whether they've been, what they've done. But he's got a stellar, stellar background. And uh, what he's done is just really exciting. I mean, he's, he attended Texas Tech for two years. And then, of course, he graduated from uh, St. Mary's University, cum laude, of course. He spent 21 years at the U.S. AA. He ended his career as a chief operating officer there. Then, of course, he goes on to start a small business that grew to 800 employees over the next five years, and he sold that to a big international company. And uh, and then, of course, he's worked on all kinds of nonprofit boards, which that's what we are, nonprofit. If you go to HopeForHeroesTX.org, we are nonprofit. You know, we're all about the officers and the first responders, and so you'll need to get one of our greetings. But he's he's a supporter big time, and he and his wife, Ann, moved here about just since 1999. And he loves the charm of this town. The guy's a major outdoorsman, but he really is a leader. He's the CEO of Santicos Theaters, uh, the Palladium down in San Antonio, which is an amazing theater. But, I mean, he is a mover and a shaker, and he's not afraid to make tough decisions. And if you know what this town went through in the pandemic, Tim was right in the middle of it, making sure that he was steering this giant ship with a little tiny rudder. And uh, trying to figure out what the heck are we doing here. But he had to make the tough decisions. It did not please everybody. You're not going to please everybody. If you're waiting to please everybody, you're probably not doing what you should or you're not a leader. But anyway, I just want to welcome to Hope for Heroes, Texas, and the Weight of the Badge podcast today, Mr. Tim Hadron. How are you, sir? I'm good, Brad, and thank you for having me. I, I love what you've been doing in this town. I love what Hope for Heroes has done for this community, and, and I, I'm honored to be here with you. Well, thank you so much. Well, I was so excited when you said yes, because you're so busy. It's amazing. And I just kind of wanted to get some information, not information, but kind of what you see Bernie going through. And then, you know, you still got to lead this thing. And what was it like? What was it like going through the pandemic in 2020 and 2021? How did you just, and you had a big challenge with your theaters because people aren't, can't, I mean, you've got like the city, the, <laughs> the CEO of what you're doing. I mean, what was that like? That was a nightmare. I will tell you that. Uh, yeah. You know, what's really funny is probably a month before that pandemic shut everything down, uh, I had just read, written a letter to all my employees and I said, this is probably just the flu uh, and it's not going to be any big deal. And I had sent that to my board of directors also. And then lo and behold, a month later, boy, was I wrong. Nobody saw that coming. And, you know, I had to deal with that on two fronts. Yes, as the, as the mayor of Bernie uh, you know, we don't have our own little TV show that people can go to and say what's going on. And um, I, I pulled together a group on a Saturday morning, pulled, you know, Daryl Lux, our, our county judge, uh, several folks from the police and um, even supply chain, Walmart, HEB, just got a bunch of people. And I said, I don't know what's about to happen, but we got to figure this out. and We got to work together. Uh, we also pulled in Jason Brown from the Pastoral Alliance. And I said, I want the faith-based community here. I want everybody here. 
And we, uh, you know, what we had to do is just work together and figure it out day by day. Nobody knew what that thing was, you know, and in hindsight, eh, was every decision perfect? Not with what we know today, but with what was going on at that time, we tried to do the best we could with the information we had and really trying to get accurate information you recall was tough. Yes. And then at the same time, my theaters get shut down. You know, I had 800 employees there that, uh, you know, what do I tell them and how do I deal with that? So uh, during that time frame, I was uh, I, I didn't get a break. Twenty four <laughs> by seven, I was dealing with COVID, whether in my job, whether I come back to Bernie, <clears throat> and then and then keeping my wife calm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's supposed to be number one. <laughs> well, no, but you did. You you really steered that uh, this this whole town, and you know God can't steer a parked car. So <laughs> you know you're out there doing some things, and uh, as you as you did all that, when at the end of it now, what do you see? That's the future. I mean, how, you know, there's action creates reaction. So if we went through something like that again, what would be the difference? What would be something different you do? Or would you just, again, you're so good at impromptu. I mean, sometimes you just got to wait for the, it comes and you got to deal with it. Yeah. You know, and uh, what's interesting is um, Governor Abbott, there were times I was probably not in agreement with everything he did, but he was trying to make his best decisions there as he, you know, really the state was under his authority most of the time. Um, and I just tried to interpret what that meant to our community. I, I don't know that we're going to have another pandemic like that again. I no, sure hope no. we don't. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it, we, we learned a lot over this last two years as a country, as a world. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people tried to politicize this thing and say this was, you know, red versus blue. But that's not the case. This was going on around the entire world. Nobody knew how to handle this. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to try to say who was right and who was wrong. I, I do believe that, that we have a new set of tools in our mm-hmm. toolkit as a country. As a, as a planet on how to deal with something like this again. Um, you know, our town did great. Yeah. Uh, the San Antonio area did okay. Uh, the whole thing about that was just trying to keep people out of the hospitals. And I think uh, that's that was my only concern during the whole thing was not, well, wasn't going to be about how many people were going to get sick or how many people were going to, you know, how many fatalities there were going to be. It was, gosh, what if you get hit by a car and you need to go to the hospital and it's full of people having yeah. COVID? That was the whole problem. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think we learned a lot, and I, I just I don't I don't anticipate us having to go through that again. If we do, Brad, yeah, just roll your roll your sleeves up and try to figure it out every day. That's all you can do. So let's talk about Santicos real quick. Are you back open? You're back doing everything's back on track. Your your 800 employees. I mean, is it? Yeah, you know, as of today, we're uh, we're almost back to where we were from an employment standpoint. Um, I, I was the first theater in the country to reopen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you go. That shows leadership right there. <laughs> I took a lot of I took a lot of spears for that. Well, you know, I was getting phone calls from people in in London. You know, the, the Guardian magazine. Hey, what do you, they call me and say? What are you doing? You're trying to kill people. This is way back in wow. uh, in May on May second of 2020. Yeah, right. No, I had to educate a lot of people on what we were doing as a as a as a company. Um, we shared our opening guidelines with the entire National Association of Theater Owners. And it was adopted as the national standard for how to open safely. Well, congratulations on that. I feel good about that. You know, the most important thing that we did when we opened, Brad, is um, it wasn't my decision. I didn't say, hey, we're opening and you guys need to get your um, tails in here and go to work. I actually went out to our employees and I said, do you guys feel comfortable if this is how we open? Do you guys want to come back to work? And our employees, 85% of our employees said, absolutely. So I made it their decision, not my decision, making them do something they didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that had a big impact on our Boy, employees. Boy, that's some wisdom. That's the best way to run most anything, isn't it? You got to put the employees first. Yes. Not customers first. That's how I always run my business. 
if you take care of your employees, they do a good job. They take care of the customers, and then all the things that you want to happen happen naturally. Today, you know, uh, the, yeah, we've been open for almost, you know, hell, it's May. We've been open for two years again. Um, Palladium is the number one theater in Texas. Um, happy to be over. It is in, awesome. It is, <laughs> Casablanca is the number two theater in yeah. Texas. You know, we have 10 theaters that are open. We actually grew during the pandemic. I took two Alamo draft houses and we converted those into Santico's. Alamo draft house declared bankruptcy. They didn't handle it so well. Um, Santico's came out. I think we came out stronger than we uh, were before the pandemic. So uh-huh. I, I feel good about things. You know, we just had a great movie this past weekend, uh, Doctor Strange. Um, again, Santicos, we were uh, we were in the top ten theaters in the country. Oh wow, fantastic! Yeah. Well, you need to build a Santicos up here, man. I have tried to buy that AMC, <laughs> and AMC will not sell it to it me. I've tried five times to buy it. <laughs> well, one of these days, you'll, I'm sure you'll get it. For the best. The Way to the Badge podcast is sponsored by the Bevy Hotel in Bernie, Texas. And Apache Rifle Works in Comfort, Texas, open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Keeps going on. When those sirens are gone. Well, hey, as you see that, you know, of course, we're about law enforcement and first responders and, of course, the border challenge that's going on down there. How do you see this, this, us go, walking through these challenges? You know, um, when all the nonsense was going on in 2020, uh, and I listened to your podcast with the governor, you know, when people were crazy cities were saying the police are the problem, uh, I very quickly got with uh, our sheriff and our uh, police chief, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I want to come out really publicly and say that's a bunch of, you know, fooey over there that those guys are doing, but I don't want to be a lightning rod for creating chaos and burning. Right. And I told those guys to their face, our chief of police and the, and Sheriff Al, um, how much I appreciate them and how much I'm going to continue to support them in city council meetings. I made it very clear um, as we went through our budgeting cycle, we support our law enforcement unequivocally. We are not one of those goofy cities like Austin or others. Um, And and to this day, you know, we have a new police chief, uh, Chief Perez. What an awesome individual he is. I'm so happy to see him put in that position. And and I continue to have great conversations with both Alan and Steve Perez about what it means to be in our community, what they do for our community. I think they do a great job. And I think the force, both of those, both the deputies and and the police department, they know how much they're supported, and they do a great job. I think Bernie's one of I think Bernie's the greatest town in Texas. Oh, I think it is. You know, and it's growing so fast. I mean, when you know they say it's Kendall County is the fastest growing county in Texas, which is amazing. And it is. You see all the building. You see all the. It's amazing what's happening here. So, what do you? How do you? How do you look at that? Do you just keep the same attitude of the way we're moving, or you've got to get? There's so many different people coming from all over the United States here, you know, with different attitudes and, um, you know, as a community, how do you see us standing strong for the future of, of, uh, Bernie? Yeah, that's really a great question. And I I get blamed for that growth quite often. (laughs) Yeah. It's your Uh, fault. It's it's interesting. Yeah. It's been going on for a long time. You know, a lot of this growth that's going on around here, I I like to challenge people a little bit and they say, Bernie's just growing so fast. So I said, tell me where it's growing in Bernie. Tell me. Because really not a lot of growth in Bernie. We got the Herf Ranch. We got Regent Park. There's a couple of subdivisions that started, you know, 12, 15 years ago. 
And then people say, well, what about Esperanza? And I have to remind them, Esperanza is not even in the city limits of Bernie. Um, I think what we've done inside the city of Bernie has been great. We've modified our, our, our ordinances for how you build in this community. We've done things to protect the environment. A lot of the developers don't like it. Um, is it, it's made a little bit more complex, but good. We want to protect Bernie and protect the cool things about it, the historic part of it and the charming part of it. We want to protect that. Most of the growth that's going on, frankly, is outside the city of Bernie. They just have a Bernie mailing address. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the apartments and all the stuff, say, behind Walmart and all those. We did put those apartments in, but those became uh, – those were city council and I, believe that or not – I um, think that's a valuable thing that we needed was some housing in this community that was a little bit more affordable. Yeah. It's, it's gotten point. so expensive to buy a house in Bernie. And so if you want to have somebody working at the school or working at some of the other jobs that are important, like the police or the fire department, um, or even some of those jobs on Main Street, you can't live, you can't buy a million dollar house and, and be making entry level wages, right? Yeah. So those, those apartments behind Walmart, uh, that was a partnership with Waypoint uh, in the city, frankly. To say, let's build something that 50% of those apartments are going to be considered affordable by the national HUD standard, housing and urban development. It's not Section 8 housing. It's going to be nice housing, yeah. right? Uh, but it's going to be good for this community because it gives those entry-level workers who can't afford a new house a, an opportunity to live in Bernie, not have to commute from San Antonio, and and work in our community, be part of a live, work, and play here like they want to do. Well, see that, you know, Tim, that's awesome wisdom. And that's why I wish sometimes our city, you know, when it comes to the newspaper or whatever we need to do up here, gets that. I've had so many people ask me what I think about those. And I just said, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything about it. Now I know, and that makes a lot of sense because that's one of our biggest problems up here is nobody can find workers. Right. And so people don't want to drive up from San Antonio. So that's exciting. I mean, that's really good news. You know, if you talk to the people on Main Street, Brad, and you ask where do most of the workers come from, 80% of the people that work in this town don't live here. Yeah. Because they can't afford to live here. Exactly. So I think, uh, you know, I know a lot of people want to say, hey, uh, I'm here now. Shut the door. Don't let anybody else in. Yeah. Apartments only bring corruption and crime. That's not not that's not, that's not true, right? No. What brings corruption and crime is a community that doesn't care. Exactly. And I think our town cares. I think the people that have moved here from out of town, they're learning that being a Texan is a little bit different. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remind them, I'm a native Texan, and you, if you don't act right, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you can't stand the heat, you better get out because we're not, right. we're not much on sitting back just letting something happen or watching it happen. You know, and Bucky's. I'm excited about Bucky's. Everybody's freaking out about Bucky's. It's on I-10. I, I just, what do you tell me about, what do you think about Bucky's? Well, you know, that, that's something that the prior city council approved. That's been, that was approved, I think, five years ago now. Yeah. And until that I-10 construction finishes and that bridge at 87 or Main Street gets done, they won't, they won't get to come along. So they're, they're probably, you know, by the way, just so you know, when that, road gets done and that bridge opens up, they still have to move all the power lines. We still have to move all the gas lines and all the sewer lines that have been going around that old curve. Yeah. All that has to be moved before Bucky's can start building. Yeah. So it's going to be, that's why it's probably still two years out before that thing gets started. Yeah. And and it's just so funny though, as I listen to our different people here, you know, city's done, Bucky's is coming, the party's over. It's on I-10. Yeah. And it's one of the classiest gas stations you could ever get I mean, yeah i mean know. you know is a I mean, gas station something well, we want as the entry into bernie yeah eh, i might have other, other first choices yeah i can't undo that decision now so no. okay i can be unhappy about it or i can say it's happened it's been decided now now what do we do to make it the best we can yeah uh, i think what they want to do in our community they don't want to make that look like a big monstrosity building they want to do some things that put some good foliage around there and make it blend in as well as a gas station is going to blend into well, the he's good country. at that 
he's a good guy. And, yeah. you know, I've met with him. Um, I know several people on city council have met with him. He's not coming in trying to destroy our community. No. He's, he's coming in trying to, you know, do something for, you know, as a business owner, but also do something that's good for our community. Yeah. Well, like you, said, that's, you make these tough decisions, but, you know, if the community would just get behind it and just start uh, us pull together as a city and say, hey, we're not going to like everything, but just lo- let's just love everybody. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and that's, I, I don't think that, that, you know, when that thing first was announced five years ago, Everybody was worried about the, the the employment practices that was going to change, right? They're going to be you know paying people fifteen bucks an hour. Well, over the last couple of years, I think a lot of people have had to go up to that same price structure. Yeah. A lot of people were worried that that was going to take away all the employees from the other businesses. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think so. And I don't think you know. Uh, I think all the employers on Main Street they're they're doing what they need to do, and um, I think our community does a good job supporting them, and they're paying their employees more too. Yeah. And, and you're right, with these being able to move up here and live up here, I think they probably would take three or 400 employees over there, just like Walmart does. Yeah. And they're moving in and out. But having affordable housing here and having the people realize that, hey, we need workers. It's just like, you know, when you don't have them, look what happens. You, you know, know, and you use, the, you use the catchphrase, Brad. You said affordable housing. And a lot of people in this community, when they hear that term, they, they, they have an idea what they think that means. Yeah. Affordable housing doesn't mean, you know— uh, let's destroy our community. No, not at all. Uh, housing that is more affordable, meaning just because you're, you've already had your successful career and you're making a lot of money, there's people who are just trying to get started here. Exactly. They're just getting out of high school and maybe going into a trade. Barney's school does a great job of training kids to you know be instantly prepared for the auto industry, for yeah. example, or to be welders. I mean, they do a great job tra- training the high school kids how to be ready for the trades. Or they graduate from college. Why do we send them somewhere else to go get a job? Because they can't live here because it's too expensive to buy a house, right? Okay. I think we got to have some of those people stay here. I used to live in an apartment. Yeah. I turned out okay. Oh, yeah. You turned out <laughs> all right. Well, that's for sure. Well, that's like going to Beverly Hills looking for affordable housing. Yeah, you can't it's, do that. Yeah, but it, it's still not affordable. Right. It's still <laughs> <Yeah>. not affordable. <laughs> you know, it's just where you're at in the spectrum here of what we're looking at. You know, it's still a $10 million house, but... The other was next door, 20. Yeah. You know, they'll still shoot at them over there for having affordable housing. And so, everybody that just got their tax bill, all their pro- properties were, pro- everybody went up at least 10%. I exactly. know mine did. Everybody else is. Uh, that's not my fault. I mean, we live in a great town. People want to live here. Exactly. Well, as mayor, do you, how do you monitor kind of, do you have, because I just, I'm just asking, it's kind of like when I had the, the hostage negotiator on and I said, you know, once you have that yellow tape around, we don't know what goes on inside there. You know, like, how do you negotiate? Well, same with you. The future and the things that you look at, you you know, you kind of have a, you know, how many people maybe are moving in or building permits and these are kinds of things are happening. Is that kind of how it's maybe a six month out or you're thinking about, okay, what's, how am I going to be maneuvering this city? This might be a hard question because I just thought of it. Um, I didn't think much of it, obviously, but I mean, you know, I mean, you kind of have some more information than we have. That's why we trust you. And that's mm-hmm. what you've got to trust our leaders in, in business and in being the mayor this city trusts you to make the right decisions because mm-hmm. even, and I think the hard decisions are what's what I like. I like somebody said stands up and says, Hey, okay, I'm the leader. I might be a shot at, but I, you know, here's a pro and con list. This is the way we're going. And that's one thing you don't, what I like about you is you don't put your finger in the wind and go, which way is it blowing? Okay. But these guys are all going to get mad don't at do me. That. No, you're like, let's go. So when you do get, do you guys kind of look at it, a lot of information and going, okay, a lot of things are thought out. I think more than people realize it here. There's not a lot of split, decisions is that true or is it yeah i'd say uh and and, you know i don't know that i have access to a lot more information than is available to anybody frankly because we're a municipality everything's available to everybody sure but one of the things i do try to do is take a very long view i don't just look out six months i think i think that's part of why i ran for mayor the first time 
Uh, I didn't think we were looking out far enough, mm. looking out that five to 10, 20, or in some cases, as I, as I said in a recent uh, uh, mayor's minute, I'm trying to look out 100 years on things like water. Yeah. Who's doing that? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Bernie has roughly 400 houses every year that get started. Everybody can find that information. That's been pretty steady, but that number's about to go up mm-hmm. to almost 600 housing starts per year in this area. Why is that? Because Esperanza is going to speed up their development process. Um, as I think about something like roads, roads is a very emotional topic around here. But, you know, people want to stick their head in the sand and say, well, we don't need to build any new roads, even though Kendall County is going to double in size over the <laughs> yeah. next 20 years. That doesn't make any sense to me. No. Um, but they want to gripe about sitting in traffic, but they don't want to build new roads. But, but hey, you can't have it everything yeah. exactly one way. I think roads is something that we're going to continue to be challenged by. TxDOT was in, in town last week, and they talked about the growth that's coming. And they said, you know, y- y- there's something's going to have to happen. Otherwise, there's just yeah. going to be nothing but gridlock in Kendall County. Um, that, un- unfortunately, from my standpoint, I can try to push on that, but all the solutions are outside cities. The city's domain. Yeah. Outside of my authority, that's going to require the Kendall County commissioners to take action on that. But let's take water. I uh, started a water committee a couple years ago because I'm concerned about that long view of water. Water doesn't just start magically being produced somewhere. Right. We have water underground, we have Bernie Lake, and we have Canyon Lake. That's our three water sources as a utility in, in the city of Bernie. What happens if we have a 1950s style drought? And we have this population that's not 1950s population. Right. What happens to our water supply? I'm very concerned about that. Not in the short run. I'm looking out really 10 years, 50 years out. So I, I think we got to be thinking about that. When How do I you talk, deal with that? Is that? Does that mean another, what does that mean? I think it means looking at alternate water sources, yeah. additional water sources, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and here's what I want to say on that. A lot of people will take that out of context. Oh, you're just trying to fuel growth and burning. No, I'm not. The growth that's happened in Bernie has been in flight for a long time. What I'm trying to do is make sure that for the growth that we know about, exactly, that we always have an adequate supply of water. That's what I'm trying to do. I've said that at city council meetings. I've said that in a recent article, and, I, and I'm trying to get that message out. Uh, and there are some solutions that are on the table. Um, the question is, what's going to be the right solution for Bernie? That's what we don't have figured out yet. Yeah. Well, you know, Tim, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate, you know, I always say the definition of experience is something happened to you. You wish it was happening to somebody else. <laughs> and so <laughs> you got a lot of experience, as, as do I, in so many different areas. And that's how you kind of, you you know, it's not something you just uh, do real quick and impromptu. You've thought through all these things. And I just want to tell you that I, I know a lot and lots of people in this town, and we appreciate your wisdom. Um, you got more guts in the slaughterhouse. We love that. <laughs> and, uh, and I like that where you just stand up and you do what's right and you just going to go. And uh, I want to appreciate you. I really appreciate your support of Hope for Heroes because our heroes, you support our heroes and that's what we do. And um, I just, you know, today I just, w- I'm really excited that um, that you're we're willing to come on here and just chat with me a little bit. I know that you got a lot of things going on and I don't have a, uh, I guess, well, let me just ask this question, which I ask all the officers, everybody, what would you like? Maybe people of Bernie or just people listening to this podcast to know that they might not know about you. Oh, about me? Yeah, kind of about you and the oh, way you make my. decisions. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a uh, a lot of people might think that I just go in a closet and make decisions on my own, but I'm actually not that kind of guy. I, I know I'm not the smartest room, I'm the smartest guy in every room. Uh, don't want to be. I, I I pull a lot of people. I ask for a lot of diverse opinions, um, and and then try to come up with what's the best solution that's best for the broadest number of people. I didn't get in this role because I'm a politician, right? I got in this role because I wanted to do something for this community. It's my way of giving back. I've had a lot of success in life. 
just trying to bring my experiences to bear and do something on a long-range basis that's good for this entire community. Because for the $200 a month that I get for being mayor, uh, it, it doesn't cover- hey, you donate that though for heroes I, I, I actually do donate <laughs> all that. God I, love you. I, uh, I donate 100% of what's been given to me in my paycheck yeah. as a mayor of oh, to awesome. this community. Yeah. No, you're awesome. Well, uh, well, thank you for that. And thank you again. And we, and we look forward to the future. And uh, you need to be a mayor here for a long time, so don't be trying to go off anywhere here. <laughs> and uh, we sure support you. And I'm sure excited that uh, that you're you know part of this city and you live here and you've done so much with Santicos and so much here in Bernie. So just continue on, man. And uh, we'll catch you again. Brad, thank you for having me. And again, I just uh, I just want to say to to all your listeners that are that are out there and all those that support you, what you do for our community and for all the heroes that you support. Um, it's just an awesome mission that you're on. And and I think you're doing a lot of God's work here for all the right reasons, for all the right people. So thank you for what you do. And thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much. We'll be talking to you again before too long. I do it for us. And I do it for them. And I ain't gonna buckle under the weight of the past. Hey, folks. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that. It's amazing what these men and women do as they carry the weight of the badge. And we sometimes forget how incredible they are, but they're called to do what they do. So you know what? When you see one, give them a wave, give them a smile. Things are tough out there for all of us sometimes. So take some time for yourself. Spend a little time in church and with your family. And uh, thank you for joining us today on Hope for Heroes, Texas. It doesn't weigh a lot until you put it on. And the way